What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Happy New Year, everyone. This is uh, episode 64, um, first episode of 2021. I'm joined by the usual suspects. We got um, Michael Gomes out in New Jersey. What's up, Michael? We got Tommy Rose Jr. out in Texas. And um, Gary Kitterson from 3D Boxing Dog. Always a pleasure to have him on as a guest panelist. Um, Corny will be in very shortly. Uh, he was with us not. Uh, he was with us momentarily. Um, anyways, um, moving forward, uh, 2000, 2020 has been very difficult, uh, troublesome year for everyone, as we've battled this uh, COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, some of us have lost loved ones and close friend close friends to this to this uh, relentless disease. Um, the boxing community was certainly uh, no exception when dealing with uh, dealing with loss in general. Um, as we all know, uh, Cynthia Saldana uh, recently passed away to COVID-19 uh, this past December. Uh, she was the lead photographer for Supreme Boxing and most importantly, the life partner of our dear friend and colleague, Anthony Saldana, um, lead writer for Supreme Boxing. Uh, to celebrate her life, um, this episode 64 is dedicated to her memory. Um, our thoughts go out to uh, Anthony Saldana, Nancy Alvarez Rodriguez, the whole Saldana family, and Supreme Boxing family. Um, I had the honor of hanging out with Cynthia on three occasions. Um, first at a Thompson Boxing card in Corona, California, the Manny Pacquiao versus Keith Thurman fight weekend in Las Vegas. And lastly, um, as a guest on Just, Just Boxing Live with uh, Sean Fitzgerald and Anthony. Um, she always carried herself with a class, super humble and nice. Uh, again, um, our thoughts go out to, to her family, um, the close ones, um, her professional colleagues, as I mentioned. Um, anyone else want to share some thoughts and words um, before we um, talk some boxing? Anyone can jump in first who has the fr some initial thoughts? Yeah, just uh, you know, my thoughts go out to Anthony Sadina, his you know, his family, his grandkids, his his kids. Um, you know, definitely tough times. And I just uh, want to say that obviously the entire standing eight uh, family is with him. You know, keep your head up. You know, you will persevere. Um, and um, obviously, Cynthia is going to be very, very much missed by not just her family, but but the entire boxing community. Uh, uh, Tommy or Gary? Yeah, man. Likewise, man. You know, just um, 
absolute thoughts, prayers, and condolences to the Saldana family. Um, Cynthia was a beautiful soul and she'll deeply be missed, man. And, um, you know, we're everybody here, Gary, uh, all of us at the Standing A podcast team, you know, we're absolutely here with you, Anthony, and uh, just, you know, hope that, you know, you'll, you'll stay strong, man, and just know you got a lot of people in your, on your back and supporting you. Yeah, the boxing family is tight-knit, so everyone is here for Anthony and the Stonia family. Um, like I said, a beautiful, wonderful person. Uh, thoughts and prayers to, you know, the, the family and everyone who survived her. Um, great words from everyone. Um, we'll get Corny's word in here as soon as he joins us. Um, but uh, let's get let's get into some boxing talk. Got a big show, a lot to talk about. First, we'll be oh, wait a minute. I think we have Corny on. Corny, what's going on? Gentlemen. Um, we were just talking about Melania dedicating the podcast to her memory. Um, I know you have a piece of work that you would dedicate um, to her name. So go ahead, Corny. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, for you all out there watching the show tonight, we have to begin um, on a very heavy note. Um, one of our one of our dear friends to the program and uh, a very a very prominent member of the uh, boxing community in Southern California, uh, guest contributor uh, Anthony Stack Saldana. Um, his uh, his wife, another dear friend of ours in the program, Cynthia, had a very fought a very gallant battle with the COVID nineteen virus, and um, unfortunately, we lost her on the 22nd of December. Um, so first off, we have to begin by, by giving our deepest and most sincerest and heartfelt condolences and sympathies to Anthony Saldana and his family, and uh, more particularly also his, uh, his grandson, Natty, and uh, his son, Chris, also. Um, we, uh, Cynthia, we, uh, may you rest in peace, and uh, we, we, we miss you, and uh, we will always love you. Thank you, Corny, for that word. Um, thank you for joining us. Our thoughts and, thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Anthony Sedania, who's still who's still mourning and um, still deal, dealing with this. Um, and um, and all, also to the Sedania family and the Supreme Boxing family, the Sedania Boxing the standing eight boxing team, the whole boxing community, the Ricky. So, um, you know, our thoughts go out to you guys. So, moving forward, uh, we got a big show tonight out of boxing. We'll be talking about Ryan Garcia's um, victory over Ruth Campbell. Also, um, the Canelo Alvarez win over Callum Smith. And we'll be discussing our own individual um, pound for pound rankings for January 2021. So, a lot of exciting stuff. So let's get right to it. Um, first segment, Ryan Garcia, uh, January 2nd on his own. Seventh round, TKO victory over Luke Campbell. Um, second round, Garcia got caught with a clean left, uh, resulting in a knockdown for Campbell. Um, but as we all saw, seventh round, uh, Campbell uh, couldn't recover from a hard body shot from Garcia. Um, a very impressive win for Ryan Garcia. Um, in terms of being tested, uh, being able to recover from a hard knockdown by the battle-tested Luke Campbell to eventually return um, the favor in the seventh um, 
with the shot to with the hard shot to Campbell's midsection. It's hard to take away it's hard to take away anything away from Garcia's win, especially for the fact that Campbell has never been um, stopped before. So Garcia had first good on that. So uh, let's get your thoughts, Mike, on that fight. Um. I knew from the start that that was not going to be an easy fight for Ryan. And, but I will say he did end up making it easy afterwards. You know, there's a lot of people criticizing Ryan Garcia for his, his boxing acumen, his boxing uh, or lack of boxing uh, technical skills in the ring. He seems a little flat footed. Um, he throws a couple of wild punches Here's what I will say that impressed me about Ryan. First and foremost, he's still young. He's a smart kid. He's going to get better. The fact that he got knocked down um, from a pretty hard uh, punch that, that got him right in the button and was able to get up, although his legs were still uh, you know, under him the first 10 seconds, he was still putting pressure on Luke that entire round, his perseverance, his fortitude, his strength, his mental strength really impressed me tremendously. Um, and he also showed the boxing world that he has knockout power, tremendous knockout power. I mean, he, he knocked the guy down that's never lost a fight being knocked down, you know, and Luke Campbell, like I've said it before, when I watched him against Linares, this is a very well-decorated fighter. This is a very, very good boxer who would give many boxers in that division trouble. And in fact, probably could beat some of the top three, top four guys there right now, as we speak. You know, for people who, when I say people, the, uh, the, the, the Facebook uh, uh, fans or, uh, you know, the, 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 the critics out there, um, to, to poke fun of Ryan and say he's not ready or that he's going to get knocked out by Tank and he'll get embarrassed by uh, Devin Haney. This kid still has a lot of room for improvement, but let's not act like guys like Tank, you know, or, you know, let's, let's not act as if they don't have defensive liabilities as well. Yes, Ryan has some, some issues there, which he could correct. He could fix those. But again, what if Ryan catches one of them right in the button or catches them with a body shot the same way he caught Luke Campbell. That's the problem for them. Like they're going to have to respect his power too. Right. And the small things that, that Ryan doesn't do well, those are easy fixes. He will fix those issues. Like him being flat footed. He will fix that. Right. His defensive, the, um, uh, his, his defensive holes that he has, he can fix that. What you can't fix as a boxer is power. He's got it. Right. And he's got the desire to win those two things combined, along with his popularity. It's going to make him very much one of the most fun and popular boxers in the next five to seven years. And I'm looking forward to watching him fight somebody of tank calibers, um, you know, or I'm sorry, tank Davis's caliber, because, you know, even though I give tank the edge, I still think Ryan has a possibility of winning. Right. So it's going to be fun. I mean, and again, I want to see those guys fight caliber fighters such like Luke Campbell to make a to make a uh, I guess a decision based on the eye test. None of the, none of those guys really fought anybody of Luke Campbell's um, other than Tank, right, with Santa Cruz. 
But Devin Hayden hasn't fought somebody that I believe that I hold in regard to, let's say, a Luke Campbell. So it's tough to gauge who would win in a fight. And again, styles make fights anyway. Ryan's going to be a top fighter. I don't think he's there yet, um, but he's got the goods. And he's got, like I said, he's got the fortitude and he's got the desire to win. He's got that hunger. A quick follow-up question for you, Mike, before I transition to someone else. Um, you said you said Garcia could uh, shore up those defensive liabilities really quick. Um, do you think do you think Tank Davis has that same luxury? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? So, so repeat that question. You you broke up just a slight bit here. Uh, you said uh, you said Garcia could shore up those defensive liabilities really quick. Do you do you think uh, Tank Davis has that same luxury? Can he do the same as well? I he can, but Tank's been fighting like Tank's been fighting for quite a you know quite a while. He's got you know I feel as if Tank has had the better preparation. He's had a better camp, better trainers. You know, obviously under the guidance of Floyd Mayweather, and that still exists. I don't know if he's going to. I don't know if that's gonna if that problem is gonna get any better moving forward. I just don't think it is. I think that Tank relies a lot on his power, and I think he lets his guard down. And, and we we saw in the fight against Camboa, where you know a lot of that defensive liability was exposed, and and other fights as well. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Or maybe Tank just feels like, you know what, if this guy can't fight me, I don't care. It doesn't matter if he tags me. He can't, he can't, I mean, he can't hurt me, so... What's the point? You know, who knows? I don't know. But he also hasn't fought anybody, you know, with the knockout power of somebody like Ryan Garcia. You know, Ryan's got look, look guys. You saw what he did to Luke, and we've seen what he's done to a lot of other guys. And this kid, this kid's got brute power, and it's it is crazy to watch him with that type of power because you look at this scrawny little white kid and you think like, oh, okay, whatever. And then you know, one round, two rounds, and he's knocking guys out the way he's knocking guys out. You know, it's quite impressive. You know, again, if I had to choose which one of the two would fight, would win in a fight right now, if it was possible, I would say Tank because he's a complete fighter in comparison to Ryan Garcia, right? Tank is better at certain things than Ryan is, right? Tank is not flat-footed like Ryan is. I think Tank actually has just as much speed, if not even more speed than Ryan Garcia. I mean, we can debate that because they're both very fast. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. But he's had enough fights by now to show the world that those defensive liabilities should have been fixed, and it hasn't. So I'm going to probably say no. 
Cool. Uh, thank you, Michael. Um, going, going you to Gary, uh, what are your thoughts about that fight? And also, uh, how do you size up both um, Tank Davis and uh, Ryan Garcia? I'm going to sound like a hater now. Look, um, I was one of the people who thought Ryan was more hyped than substance. Um, he's good. He's good. Like, I, I thought Luke, I picked Luke Campbell to win. I said, Ryan's going to come at him 100 miles an hour. He'll have some success early. Once we get to the middle rounds, Luke Campbell will just outbox him and he'll win enough rounds where he'll win the fight in a close decision. That didn't happen, and Luke Campbell was never outboxing him. Um, I, I thought once we got past the fifth round, um, I thought Luke Campbell was going to be like, okay, Luke Campbell's going to take over the fight now. Um, Ryan just doesn't have the skills. He's too wild, and he's too flat-footed. Luke, because Luke, I mean, he didn't beat Roma, and he lost most of the round, but he boxed well with Roma. So I just thought Luke Campbell was going to be too skilled for him. Ryan Garcia showed me it, there, there's, there's substance there. Um, he used his jab better than he usually did. I still think he's too wild. Um, he's obviously got power, got really quick reflexes and good speed. Um, so he's good. Unfortunately, at this time, he's in the wrong weight class. Um, whereas I thought Devin Haney would have embarrassed him. I, I don't think Devin Haney embarrasses him, although I still think Devin Haney outboxes him, right? I, I would have said that, um, Tank Davis destroys him, and I still think Tank Davis stops him, but it's probably more competitive than I would have thought. I'm not trying to sound like a hater. Ryan Garcia is good. I don't think he's as good as the other top names at 135. Good stuff, Gary. Um, just to add, just add to both your comments, uh, Mike and Gary. Um, I think at this point, I think um, from what I've seen, I think Tank Davis. Overall, I think he takes better shots, obviously, um, than Ryan Garcia. Because, but um, the thing is, um, the thing is, um, Tank Davis he gets hit a lot, but fortunately, he's never been put away yet. But we'll just have to see. Um, Corny, let's get your thoughts um, on the fight, and also um, how, how, as of, as of now, how do you see so far the ma possible matchup between Garcia versus uh, Tank Davis? Well, man, between uh, between Mike and Gary, you guys stole most of my talking points. Um, but uh, just I mean, just how I saw the fight, nothing nothing surprised me. The, I, I mean, I think the only thing I really didn't anticipate about how that went down is how late it ended. I, I really thought um, Garcia was going was going to go in there and he was going to jump on Luke Campbell uh, early, and I mean, and he was doing that for the most part. But Luke Campbell just uh, he he caught him with a very uh, he 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 caught him with a shot he didn't see, and um, I mean up to that point too. I was saying it in the comments on the fight thread too is that Luke Campbell has a very he has a very sneaky and very credible Euro stick, as I like to call it. Um, but he can do he 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 does he, does, he has a, he has that very sneaky jab that's very well timed and well placed, and it's usually followed by a you know it's in a very crispy straight like uh, straight left. So, um, you know, so I think that was giving uh, Ryan Garcia a lot of trouble in, in, to be in the the first part or the beginning of the uh, of the fight. And um, if to me, I was looking at that, and I was just it, it, it just it, as the rounds went on, I was looking at how Ryan was dealing with that, and I said, you know, he's gonna once he figures that out, it's over. Um, and sure enough, it was uh, it, it was a very well placed shot to the body. Um, which goes to serve my theory 
that I've held for many years now is that British boxers are notoriously soft and susceptible to big body shots. Um, that's it's just how it's just how they make them over there. You know, you got these guys, you got these um, you got these very lanky, tall, lean guys with very long torsos, as we saw in the Canelo fight versus um, versus Caleb Smith. And the, you know, those shots, unfortunately, you know, and especially when you're good on the jab like that, if you can get if you can navigate past the jab or get in under it, that shot's there all day. You know, what I'm saying all night. Um, and that's that's how that's how Ryan Garcia got him out of there. Um, as far as the reaction from uh, from the boxing community of Ryan Garcia's win, I think it's very unfair. I you know, I, I, I think I, I, it pissed me off and it annoyed me uh, just to you know see people clamor immediately after you know saying he he showed resilience, he showed poise, he showed a complete side of himself that we didn't think we you know saying he was gonna have to display, and he displayed it. You know, Ryan Garcia showed mad character to get off the camp, uh, to get off the canvas, and in that fight the way he did. And then the reaction, instead of celebrating and accomplish, listen, this this guy did with two of the best 135 pounders doing it right now. Couldn't do as far as Lomachenko and as far as Linares. Um, and that's and, you know, and that's thin Ryan Campbell home. I mean, Luke Campbell home early. And that fact that he couldn't even get really get credit for that, that's just, you know, that as, as far as boxing fans and as far as the people who out there who call themselves boxing pundits, it's just, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of haterism. Um, and it's just a lot of, it's, it's a lot of petty shit that's, uh, that's hinged on that. Um, if we can't celebrate the accomplishment, celebrate the performance that this guy put in without saying, uh, well, you know, Tank's, you know, if he gets in with Tank, Tank's going to light his ass up, even though he did call Tank out immediately after that fight. So, but I mean, it just seemed like people, instead of recognizing the accomplishment, were immediately looking to minimize the accomplishment and marginalize him in his skills. Um, does he need work? Yeah. The, you know, so the kids in his, the kids in his early 20s, um, he, you know, he, and he, he, need, he needs, he needs polish more than I would say he needs work. Um, as far as correcting the footwork and the placement, but if we yeah, if we look at if you look at how Ryan Garcia is getting guys out of there, it's a little different than what we're seeing from Tank. Tank has Deontay Wilder type power, where if he hits you anywhere on your body, you're going. With uh, with, with with Ryan Garcia, and I think when he's worked and he's working on with um, Chep Orinoso and being in Canelo's camp. Is he's trying to is he's that placement and that speed they're, they're teaching him to use that speed he's got to put that right amount of torque on his shots and I think that's what's going and that's what he's got going for him and that's uh, in a lot of ways that's that's more dangerous than brute power because you can you can hit guys with shots from unconventional angles from where they went in front of, and with shots they don't see coming because Luke Campbell had no idea that was coming from his to his rib cage that was like a baseball bat being put there. Um, so I, I, I think, I think, um, you know, with, with more time under, um, Eddie and Chapel Reynoso and being in, in the camp with Canelo, as we all know, Canelo is one of the best boxer punchers out there. He's really blossomed. I think Ryan Garcia can blossom in the same way. Um, as far as how I see the, uh, a, a matchup direct head to head between Ryan Garcia and Tank. I'd have to get I'd have to give the advantage to, to Tank. I'd have to put it about four. I'd have to put it about fifty five forty five right now. Um, but that's not. I mean, but 
there's no there's no way in hell you can convince me that Tank is going to win that fight going away against Ryan Garcia. Um, because we've already seen, we already know, and he's already seen, and he's already demonstrated that he can't get up. He can't get up off the canvas. Um, now, can Tank hit him with something where he doesn't get up? Yeah, that's certainly possible. But the same, but the, the caveat to that to that is we are yet to really see what Tank can do against a legitimate 135 pound fighter. And, you know, so if, if you ask me, what we've seen throughout Tank's rise is him being able to be a weight bully. Um, along the, si- the same lines that uh, when I, I mean, when I look, I hate, I hate that so many people make the comparison because of the association with Floyd. But when I look at Tank at this at this at this stage now, and it, it automatically makes me think of the uh, the Adrian Broner we used to see on HBO After Dark um, when he was fighting guys at one thirty and one thirty five as well. So um, and and what we know is when, you know when he when he got up a little bit of weight. Um, that that's that's you know that those advantages that he had he was not able to hold on to those. Um, now Tank, who has been at 130 for most of his career, going to 135, can he carry that? It looks like he's going to. Um, with, with you know, what I'm saying with five, we didn't see we didn't see the change with Broner until he got up to welterweight at 140. So, but the you know the thing is, I think there's a lot that's unproven with Tank. We haven't seen uh, the perseverance level that we've seen with Ryan Garcia, what he just demonstrated. And like I said, we, we haven't seen him against a legitimate 135 pounder. So with the, with those intangibles, I think, uh, I think a matchup between tank and Ryan Garcia is very intriguing. And I think it's, uh, I think it's very far from the, uh, the foregone conclusion that people are, uh, are, are, are painting this picture as in that matchup. Great thoughts, Cordy, and, and I agree. With, I agree with a lot of what you said, um, as far as um, as far as the perseverance factor with um, with Tank Davis, and and just to add to that, um, you know, going back to that uh, that that Luke Campbell knockout by Ryan Garcia, as we all know, Ryan Garcia he kind of masked that shot. Well, kind of masked it, making it seem like using an aim for the head, but um, he fainted it towards the body, which uh, made it that unconventional and awkward to land. So, um, uh, great knockout victory. Um, Tommy, let's get your thoughts on, uh, let's get your reaction on the, uh, on the actual fight and your thoughts on the very possible matchup between, uh, um, Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia. Yeah, man, just one of those things you just got done saying is how he, how he set that shot up. And just like Courtney said, he put a, he put some serious torque on that shot. Like when you look at that shot land, how he twisted his glove, right into his rib cage like that shot was perfectly timed it was perfectly placed and as we're as we're talking about you know ryan garcia he's got he's got some some real true power but he's got he's got that accuracy power you know there's there's a difference between that brute strength where you can just dominate somebody with with the force um but kind of like how floyd you know would knock people out you know when you can make crisp accurate shots in the right spots uh and they and they're well timed as well those things are i mean they could they could be just as brutal and so you know that shot you know that it was it was wonderful um i did enjoy the fight you know we do see uh, the defensive liabilities for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. That, that Ryan Garcia has, but I mean, he's he's a young kid, man. And, and for what he's doing right now, um, I agree with Courtney. I think that it is a bit unfair to, you know, to place so much on him, um, the criticism, and especially, you know, right after he just got done doing what he did. He, he put that guy out of there. He got him out. You know, he got off the canvas from a shot that, would have put almost anybody down. Like that shot was super clean that he got caught with. He wasn't expecting it. And and, and he got right back up and, and went right back to his game. You know, he got right back in there. He wasn't running. You know, he, was, he wasn't on the retreat. Um, he fought his fight still. He was still very confident. Uh, and, you know, he, he did what he needed to do. So, you know, when we get to talking about, um, you know, versus uh, Tank Davis, uh, I, I would have to agree. I think right now uh, Tank would be able to, to win that fight. Uh, but, you know, I do see, you know, d- depending on what Tank looks like in there against somebody like Ryan Garcia, uh, that speed, you know, that that sk- that boxing skill uh, that, that Ryan Garcia possesses, you know, that could be something that could put Tank at bay. Uh, if he's not able to get in there and just bully around and just, you know, do like what we saw him do um, against uh, against uh, Santa Cruz, you know, where he was just throwing that uppercut, win, lose, or draw. You know, if if he if he missed that uppercut so many times just because he knew that he was going to land it, you know, and he knew that he was eventually going to get him out of there. But if he's got somebody like Ryan Garcia that's that's being skillful in there, being very quick, being, you know, and, and landing those shots to to win those rounds as well, uh, and be able to sustain him and keep him at distance, that could be a whole different game, you know, on top of the fact that Ryan, Ryan's got that power. So uh, it's a possibility. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, a small possibility right now. Uh, but I do think that we're going to see a lot uh, more improvements, uh, you know, from Ryan Garcia uh, as we move, uh, move along in the next two years or so. You know, there's going to be some vast improvements uh, and we could be talking a whole different conversation at that point. Hey, I, I just I just saw a remark on the screen, and I just got to got to make I got to respond to it. This somebody one somebody wrote somebody wrote Tank's got way, way more po- power than Buddy Ryan, and that so let me remind a lot of people, and that's fine. We're not talking about in terms of power. We're comparing Tank overall as a skillful uh, boxer, but let me remind you guys of another boxer who had a lot more power than his opponent and got beat up, and that's Deontay, who had a lot of power. <laughs> and lost that fight. And we can argue he also lost the first fight. So power has nothing to do with this. You know, like don't focus so much on power, right? And what Gary said earlier is what fascinated me about Ryan. I'm a Luke Campbell fan. Like I became a fan of his when he fought Linares. I don't think people understand. You know what it is? I don't, I think a lot of boxing fans, because we don't see a lot of these British uh, uh, fighters in the ring so much. So we don't we don't know them so much, just like a lot of people didn't see Tyson Fury come out and beat Deontay because they just didn't know who he was. Right. And we've been watching him and following him. I I, I remember watching Tyson Fury fight uh, Glitchko. But, you know, we don't see a lot of these boxes, so we don't know how good they are. Luke Campbell is very good. This is not he's not a pushover type of fighter. 
He's a very uh, and he's got three or four losses now with Ryan's. Some of those losses we can even contest them. This is a great fighter. Like if we if I became a boxer and my career was you know mirrored uh, or duplicated or replicated based on Luke Campbell's, then I would be satisfied uh, when I retired. This is a very good boxer, right? Ryan Garcia beat a very good boxer. I have to say this: him beating Luke Campbell to me is more impressive than Tank Davis beating Santa Cruz, in my opinion, because based on weight and everything else, you know, and what Gary mentioned to me and what I thought so too, or whatever, you know, what, what Gary mentioned before, which I was surprised. I thought Luke Campbell would win in a sense that, because I had just, I, I thought he was just a much more superior boxer. We didn't even see that. We didn't see Luke, you know, outbox him. So there's no saying like, I agree with Courtney it, right now. It's 55, 45. And as Ryan gets a little older, that might be 50-50 and maybe swing his way. Let me remind you, he's 22 years old. He doesn't have the same in-ring experience as Tank Davis. But also keep in mind, his best friend right now is Canelo, like Courtney's saying. And having that power of proximity around a guy like that who is pound for pound the best right now and, and obviously a future Hall of Famer changes things for him. The same way being around Floyd Mayweather changes things for Tank. Right. The only difference is Ryan just started hanging out with Canelo, started now training with Canelo, you know, this past year. That's going to he's going to evolve as a boxer. You're starting to see that right now. And he's very popular. This kid has got a lot to bring to the table. If he fixes certain things, Ryan, Ryan can can beat Tank Davis. He just has to fix it. He can beat. he's got the skill set that if he polishes it up. He can, he, it could be, it could be a bad day for Tank Davis if they ever fought. All right. That's all I got to say. If Ryan Garcia that fight to the outside against Tank, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think the, if Ryan Garcia fights Tank on the outside, I think the certainty that a lot of people are, uh, are looking at this with dissipates. Um, it, uh, it, it's, the, 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 I like Tank. I think um, I, th- I think I think Tank, as far as his entertainment value and what he does in the ring, the kind of fights that he makes and the kind of and the way that he fights guys, I think that's dynamic. But there comes a point when we have to see more than power, and that's where we see what you really have. And we haven't seen that with Tank. With Ryan Garcia, we've seen it. We you know what I'm we just saw. It. We see him since we saw that, you know, maybe he doesn't have the best chin, but the chin and the resolve that he has behind it is enough to get out get off of the canvas and to finish a fight. Um, and I know I know a lot of times with boxing, it's very circular. We say, well, we want to see this guy in a, in a situation where he's up against it or he's got to persevere or we got to see some character. And then as soon as we see it, we come with criticism. Well, man, he got dropped. So if this person hit him with the, with the same shot, he would drop him. I don't know. I mean, it may be so, but this is the thing that's not certain. We're not certain if Tank, we were saying being the shorter fighter, having the, having a drastically shorter reach. We're not sure how Tank navigates inside. You know, saying in the in, in the inside, if Ryan Garcia wants to keep that outside. So I mean, that's 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 the big intangible, and I, I think that's why. When we look at a matchup or a potential matchup between Tank and, uh, and Ryan Garcia, uh, a, a, having a solid opinion right now 
that that that's that's gonna set that's gonna set you up to have a lot of egg on your face later. And, and this whole comparison thing, like if people if if, if fans want to compare, like you, if you want to if you want to marginalize what Ryan Garcia did to Luke Campbell, then we're gonna do the same thing when Tank Garcia fought. I mean, Tank uh, Davis fought uh, Gamboa. Like if if we're gonna play that game, we could again. Which remember I told you guys he looked like he had an Achilles, a, a torn Achilles in that fight, which ended up being the case. Like, all right, so if that's the same thing, let's give back the same energy to Tank. He couldn't put a guy, he couldn't put a guy that's nearly forty years old with a torn Achilles after the second round. Couldn't put him away. And you're gonna talk about Ryan Garcia got getting dropped by Campbell and then knocking him out. Uh, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna make that comparison. Just don't forget about Tank. Don't forget about Tank's performance against Gamboa. All right, that's all I'm going to say. Oh, just to add to that. I mean, just to add to that. I just to just add to both of your points. I think as spectators, it's really hard to quantify power and how people will react to that power, especially when you, when we're comparing two guys who have not yet fought against each other. But I think what's most important, and I think Tommy said this, is how um, in the respective fights, how that power is delivered and the maneuver it's delivered and the manner in which it's um, um, applied. And that's what we could really, um, you know, base base these matchups on, which I think is just as important, um, aside from just the um, standalone power of each um, respective fighter. So just wanted to add to that. So, um, you know, great thoughts from everyone. Um, let's. Let's talk about the other side of the uh, lightweight division. You got um, Teofimo Lopez out there. You got Devin Haney. Um, there's also talks about, even though this is far-fetched, Teofimo versus Devin Haney, but, you know, it, it's still not very likely. You got um, Haney, who's most likely, and he mentioned this on the um, Akin Brock show, I believe, on the zone, that he's either going to make a mandatory defense against either Jorge Linares or Javier Fortuna. So although that's not a, you know, that's not a sugar, it's not a um, popular fight, I think it's still a good busy fight for Haney until he fights one of those top guys. But um, as far as Haney's concerned, I'll just say this about Haney. I think I think among all the lightweights we've been, talk we've been talking so far, I think Haney's the most um, technical, the most technical fighter at least. Um, Against uh, when comparing against all those guys, so um, uh, Gary Kittleson, let me get your thoughts. What's your thoughts on Haney at this point? Um, at the, in this juncture of his career, I agree with you that Haney looks like he's the the classiest boxer of the bunch for sure. But like, I also want to preference that with um, Tiafimo Lopez outboxed Lomachenko. He outboxed the Matrix for seven rounds, right? Like clearly outboxed him, um, and then like. Loma had to try to get on the inside because he couldn't, you know, Tiafimo was out jabbing him. But although I, I, Haney's got special skills. He's got really good speed, really good reflexes. Um, I want to see, like, I think the Fortuna fight, I'm not really into L Linares. I think Linares is kind of shot at this point, especially after that last knockout from Cano. I know he came back uh, and he got a knockout in his last fight that was on a Ryan Garcia undercard on Valentine's Day. He still didn't look that good to me. And, I thought Lenar's prime Lenar's is good. I just think he's all done. I, I don't think he's got that left in him. Um, but I think Fortuna, Fortuna makes life tough for everyone. So I'd like to see how 
I think Haney handles him. I think Haney outboxed him, but I, I think that's a good scrap. I think that's a good test for Haney in a stay busy fight. Um, and I, again, I think Haney, the only question we have about Haney is, does he have the power, right, to really exchange with guys like Tiafimo Lopez? I don't think that's his fight. He's got to win him on the outside and going backwards, which he can do. Um, the only thing is, can he keep Tank Davis off him for 12 rounds? If he can, I think he can beat Tank Davis. If Tank Davis is able to get on the inside, it could be night-night for Devin Haney. The, the interesting fight is Tiafimo Lopez, right? Because is it just high-speed chess where they just sit there and box each other on the outside? Or does Tiafimo Lopez get aggressive and try to bring the fight to him? Those are really interesting fights. And I, like, again, I know I'm going to sound like a hater. I, I think Devin Haney outboxes Ryan Garcia. Right, like uh, Garcia, I don't, although he did better than expected against Fox and Campbell, um, I don't think over 12 rounds, Ryan Garcia can match with Devin Haney. I mean, I can agree with that. I think, um, I think as far as when you talk about uh, David Haney versus Ryan Garcia, I think David Haney presents a lot of problems for uh, Ryan Garcia. So, you know, especially technical wise, um, the big question I see is um, how would how would uh, how would Devin Haney react to um, the power that's presented to him um, when that problem arises? So that's uh, that's very. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good question. Um, Tommy, let's get your thoughts on what's your thoughts on Devin Haney at this point, at this uh, point in junction in his career. I like Haney, man. Um, you know, I do feel that I would absolutely like to see him show some more power, go find that shit somewhere. Uh, you know, get like Mario, eat a mushroom, something, whatever you're going to do so you can get a little bigger, man. Like, I would love to see him put some more crispy up on them punches that that he's got. The dude is very, very skillful. Um, and I, I pretty much agree with what with what Gary said. I don't I don't think that you know, he would be able to necessarily keep Tank off. You know, I think that Tank's aggression is just is would end up being too much if, if he was able to. Yeah, he would be able to outpoint him, I think, because it would be a whole different type of fight. Um, for somebody like Tiafimo, I don't I don't think that that uh, that Haney would pull that off. I, th- I think that uh, Tiafimo is is well rounded enough of a fighter uh, with power, uh, the skill. Uh, you add in some speed there, and you know, I think that his his whole game uh, would be able to nullify you know what um, what Haney would would come out and have a game plan for against him. 
Uh, Ryan Garcia, I think I, I honestly think that that would be the most interesting fight right now. You know, to, that, that I would like to see if it was uh, matching up, you know, all of these names. You know, I, I think that right now with the things that they both bring to the table, uh, Ryan and his power, uh, you know, the, the way that he fights, he's not necessarily a, um, you know, a, a bully in the ring. Uh, so that would placate towards uh, Haney's type of style. So I, I think that that one would be the most interesting fight right now to watch. Uh, but uh, I still think that it would be a, a fight that um, Haney would be able to pull off at this point in time right now. You know, but I think it would be some decent fireworks. And we, I think that that fight would be one where we would actually see um, Haney show us something you know, that we haven't seen before because it, w- it wouldn't be uh, a high level of aggression. It wouldn't be uh, such superior power against him, but it would be so close to where he would have to channel something different in that fight uh, in order to just stand out and pull it off. So, uh, but I I like Haney, but got to get a little stronger, man, because he's he's starting to look like pillow hands to me, man. Great thoughts, Tommy. Um, Corny, I have a specific question. And also after that, you can branch off to, to broader thoughts on Haney. As far as Haney, do you think Haney has more to prove than he does with uh, when compared to um, Tank and uh, uh, Tank and uh, Garcia? He certainly has more to prove. Um, I think with Haney, I think Haney, for, if we look at if we look at the Big Four at one thirty five, if we look at Teofimo Lopez, if we look at Tank Davis, if we look at Ryan Garcia, and if we look at Devin Haney, Devin Haney is, I think he's hands down the best boxer. Out of all, out of all those, uh, out of the four, um, I think as far as Devin Haney's game though, is I think I think with him, is he's not a power puncher. You know, I, I think he, I don't think he's a puncher at all. Um, I think I think I think he is a I, I think he's a one hundred percent skill dude. Um, and uh, and you know, Tommy said he wish, he wished he could go he wishes he could go find some power, eat a mushroom or whatnot. Um, I, th- I think we I mean I think we'd all like that because we all. You know, we all love to see bangers. We all love to see dudes go in there and put dudes on their back. And, all, and you know, saying putting dudes on their backs typically results to putting asses in seats. You know what I'm saying? And that's why Haney is having a dog of a time with the, you know, as being vocal as he is with calling people out. That's why nobody really wants to fight him. That's why Ryan Garcia had to fight his life and immediately called out a dude on the complete other side of the street in, in Tank Davis because that's where the money's at. There's no money in fighting Devin Haney. So as far as what he has to prove, he doesn't really have to prove it necessarily to people like us who watch boxing. He's got to prove it to the casuals. He's got to prove it to the mainstream fans. He's got to prove it to people who are willing to put 75 down on a pay-per-view or invest $19 a month in a zone subscription. Ultimately, those are the ones he has to prove. People who watch boxing know Devin Haney is a special fighter and an immensely skilled one. Um, but as far as what he does and what he does well, I don't think that's conducive to making him an A-side. I, mean, I, 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 think, I think that's just the way, that's, that's just the way of the world. You know, and people said that about Floyd for years. It's like, yo, this dude is skilled as hell, but we need to see him fight better people. And ultimately, when he fought, when he fought Oscar De La Hoya, it, you know, even even though a lot of you know, even though that was a split decision, even though a, a lot of people, not including myself, said that it was a fairly close fight, it shot him to that you know, it shot him to that higher level. 
So, you know, as far as channeling power, I don't think you can do it if that's not, you know, if that's not what you're gifted with. Um, But as far as, as far as I I think with Devin Haney, what he has to prove is not in terms of showing something skill-wise or doing something outside the box of what he does. I think he has to prove it in in attracting better people to come into the ring against him. Because if you look at the four, um, he has probably fought the lightest competition out of out, out of the big four at 135. So basically, we're gonna need to see Devin Haney do what he does and do it best against you know better people and how you know how they get in the ring with them. That's uh, that you know that we might not see that 135. We might you know so we might not see. We not, not we might not see the best of Devin Haney and what he is and what he's supposed to be and what he's supposed to become until he inevitably makes it up to that that until he ultimately capitalizes on that threat that he made to Bernard Hopkins when he had the contract the fight Ryan Garcia waving in front of his face like fuck it I'm going to 140 well that's that's where we might see you know Devin Haney blossom into the fighter he's supposed to be um, but I think uh, I think as far in terms of bi- the business move. Because Ryan Garcia wanted that smoke right then and right there, um, I think I think that was a dumb move for him not to take that fight right then and right there. I don't know if he didn't if he made that call because he you know he didn't think you know he thought Ryan Garcia was um, a higher risk than he would be reward or whatnot. But now you know it's the tables have turned and you got Ryan Garcia with the eyes of the boxing world on him, calling you and you're in the stadium. Um, or in the arena or whatever, call out somebody who wasn't even there. <laughs> so, you know, um, that's, uh, that, that, that's, that's how that goes. But, I mean, in terms of how these guys potentially match up in the, in, in the 135 scene, I think there's a lot of posturing. I think there's a lot of Twitter fingers going on right now. And I think there's a guys popping a whole lot of bubble gum. Um, and, you know, as far as all this, um, as far as what we're pretty much wildly speculating on, as far as a Ryan Garcia versus a Tank, uh, Tiafimo Lopez versus a Haney um, or whatnot. This is how it's going to go. Tiafimo Lopez has a mandatory for his IBF belt against George Cambosos. George Cambosos is already affiliated with top rank. Then we know that's going to happen next for Tiafimo Lopez. Um, as far as Devin Haney, he, you know, I made a post the other day in the group where he's calling out all these names. And then at the end, he says, well, my mandatory is Javier Fortuna. Uh, there's also been talk of Jorge Linares being inserted in there. Um, I, I, I'm with Gary. I, I think Jorge Linares is too shot for that fight to do anything for Devin Haney. Haney. So if he has the two, he's just going to go ahead and take care of business against Javier Fortuna. Um, as far as Javier Fortuna goes in that matchup, I'm really, I've really soured on Javier Fortuna. Uh, on Fortuna, um, Gary said he makes life difficult for everybody. He didn't really make it that difficult for Adrian Granados. Um, that was a fight me and Tommy were in the house for where, you know, he, he found an excuse um, when he was faced with adversity. Um, so I, 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 I think Devin Haney is a guy who's going to give him a lot more adversity than uh, and Adrian Granados would. Um, but yeah, you know, as far as Devin Haney and for all his talk right now, obviously we're, we're going to see him go in that direction to fight uh, Javier Fortuna. And then as far as, uh, as far as Ryan Garcia, I think uh, I think you know I I think I think he might be the one who actually fights for him on RS, or you know saying or you know saying or they resur- or they basically they resurrect somebody who you know saying was hot at one point at one thirty five but it's cooled off a little bit 
you know what I'm saying? There's there's the Terry Flanagans, there's the Orlando Cruises you can pull out of the hat or whatever. I think he fights one of those guys who was hot at one point, but is now a little bit past it. Um, just to get, you know what I'm saying, just to get a name um, of a future title or of a, of a past title holder uh, to put on his resume to build the future for him. And then as far as Tank Davis goes, um, I know that Gary Russell is has been uh has been you know has been popping a lot of noise at him for a long time that's a fight i would actually love to see at 130. Uh, i think i think gary russell jr asks a lot of questions of tank that have never been um that, that you know that have never been asked before and uh i'm you know I, i'm eager to see uh what kind of answers he would come up um he would come up with those uh for those questions but i mean as far as all the you know the big four fighting each other it's just too fragmented we're not going to see we're not going to see anything immediately um in the, you know, in, in this in this first half of 2021 if we see anything from these four interacting across cross pollinating with each other in uh, in 2021 so i think uh I, I i think these guys are doing a lot of talking it's getting a lot of people talking but i i, I think they're they're basically they're saying each other's names as a means to get people to tune in for for fights they're going to have against lesser opponents, and unfortunately, that's the uh, that's the trap that uh, we as boxing fans always go for. Hey, you even saw um, post fight, you know, at the Garcia fight, like you said, Haney was there, and you know they've got that video of, of them just dapping it up, and and Haney's talking about he bet on Garcia, and Garcia's like, yeah, I told you, you should have bet more on me, and all of that, like they like they're getting real buddy buddy in there, and they're and, actually and, homies. They yeah, 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 and, and yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So, like, it, that speaks towards your point of just saying each other, saying names out there to just kind of bubble up everything and, and get get more going when it comes to whatever the next fights that they that they're gonna have, getting those getting those viewers. Didn't they fight in the amateurs? The two of them six times. Yeah. Yeah, they were on the they were on the same amateur circuit. There's there's actually video of them post you know there's there's past Instagram posts of them posted up with each other, kicking it at each other's house, playing video games, yeah, going together and stuff like that. So I mean they, I mean that 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 is that is what it is. You take that for all it's worth. Have we seen guys get in with each other who work cool, who work yeah. friendly? Um, and put it to the side, yeah. But you know, say like you you scratch the surface, you look a little deeper, you see the w what I like to call the WWE factor. Uh, yeah. Know, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Gary, what were you saying? They fought in the amateur. And they both So we got to have that game. Although, I, I think handily. Like, I, I just, Haney's skill set is a different level, I think, than Ryan. Before we go on, uh, Michael, what's your, what's your thoughts on Haney at this juncture right now? Very skill, very skillful fighter. Um, the risk reward isn't there for most fighters to fight him, right? Yeah. You know, he's been calling out fighters for the past two years, and he's a young guy. He's 22 years old, you know. But um, and Courtney hit the nail on the head when he said that people want to see, you know, or rather knockouts or a knockout artist is what puts uh, you know asses in seats, and that's true, right? So a guy like Ryan Garcia is going to be naturally more popular guys like Tank Davis are going to be more popular because that's what the, you know, the, the vast majority. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Majority of boxing fans, you know, when I say boxing fans, I'm talking about casuals. That's what they want to see, right? I, I respect Devin Haney's uh, skill set. He's one of the most skillful, if not the most skillful fighter in that division. Um, taking away maybe Teofimo, because I think Teofimo could beat him from a technical standpoint. I think Tiafimo could – he can stand toe-to-toe and outbox him, in my, in my personal opinion. I mean, he, he did it against Lomachenko. And in, in me, I, I mean, I had Lomachenko, obviously, as one of the you know top two, top three pound-for-pound boxers. And it's obviously not because of his knockout power because he has none or not. He, it's limited at that division, right? I always said that Lomachenko at, Lomachenko at 135, he's always going to be the smallest guy in the ring, always. You know, that's not his division. At 130, he never loses, right? But at 135, that's tough to be able to go. Like, I don't think people understand, like, against Luke Campbell, Linares, being able to come in as the smaller guy, naturally the smaller guy, and be able to put both of those two guys away, that's a great accomplishment if you really dissect their their bodies, their frames, everything. He's just that much smaller, right? I saw him in person at Madison Square Garden. Guy's tiny. Legitimately tiny, you know. Um, but back to Devin Haney, yeah. I mean, he's got like the Bubu Andrade factor. No, nobody really wants to fight him. The risk reward, right? It's like Bubu Andrade. He's the one thirty five version of Bubu Andrade. That's what he is, right? That's exactly what he is. Bubu Andrade's right. Both of them very skillful, but there's no reward to fighting him, none whatsoever. It's kind of like a career killer if you do and you lose, right? It's kind of why people avoid Bubu Andrade, right? It's kind of. I feel like that's why. Canelo kind of left that division because at some point he would have he would have to face Bubu and that's Bubu Andrade's skill set poses a problem for anybody. I don't care. I, I know Canelo's great, but even to, even with Canelo, like it's it's an issue, right? That's pretty much that's pretty much it. You know, look, uh, what I'm happy about is that division's pretty stacked with guys like Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, Tank Davis, right? Teofimo Lopez. Um, you know, Lomachenko still has probably another three four years left in you know in, in boxing. You know, so we as fans, you know, we got a lot to look forward, a lot to look forward. You know, it's it's a matter of making those matches. When it's going to happen, I don't know. Keep in mind, guys, they're both 20. Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney are both 22 years old, right? They're babies. Like, I almost feel like they just started, you know, they just started being in front of the like mainstream boxing, right? It's they're not going to risk. They're not going to risk their careers yet. Although I thought that the Luke Campbell fight was a big risk for Ryan Garcia because of the skill set that Luke Campbell has. But again, he was able to win. And like, uh, like uh, Corny mentioned before, his ability to get up from the canvas and show his type of fortitude 
and what he's built, what he's made out of, that's a big problem for a lot of guys, right? I, I like, let me give you an example. I think moving to a different division, the fact that Tyson Fury was, was able to get up round 12 against Deontay, I think that mentally fucked with him for a long time. You understand? And watching it, if I'm him watching it over and over and over to watch his body fall the way it fell and still be able to get up, to me mentally, I think it did something to him. I personally do think that happens to him. You know? I really do. You know, and, to, and with a lot of guys, like to watch a guy like that get hit, he got hit with a strong, strong punch by Luke, you know, and he caught him right in the button. To be able to see a guy go down, get up 10 seconds later, put the pressure back on you, you know, Luke Campbell's got to be like, God damn, like, you know, I'm fucked. <laughs> like, this is going to be a tough night for me. You know, you know my, my very thing, though, is you, you mentioned that these guys only being 22. If I'm not mistaken, Teofimo Lopez is only about 22 or 23 himself, and he's already risked it all. <laughs> and that's why that's why I say in that equation, I you know I said it before, and I'm going to reiterate it. Teofimo Lopez, if he fought any of those guys tonight, he bombs on them. Yeah, and keep in mind, Teofimo's got some real. I mean, we're talking about power. Teofimo's got it. I personally think Tufim has got the most amount of power out of all of them. You know, we've seen him knock guys out in the ways that like that's unbelievable. And he's like, if you look at their bodies, like Tufim was a big guy, like Tufim's days at 135 is numbered. Like he's, he's, he's big. I'm surprised that he was able to like, I'm literally surprised he was able to make weight against Lomachenko. He's not a small guy. This is a guy that we'll see at some point in, near, in, in the future. I'm not going to say near, but Teofimo is going to be at 147. He will be fighting in the welterweight division. Great points all, all around. Um, so it's going to be very interesting, the lightweight division. So moving forward, um, Canelo Alvarez was briefly mentioned. So that's what we're talking about. So – uh, Canelo Alvarez, he defeated uh, Callum Smith not too long ago by unanimous, unanimous decision at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, he, with that win, he uh, he um, he won Smith's WBA and the ring middleweight titles, and he also won the vacant WBC uh, the vacant WBC super middleweight title, which was previously held, previously held by um, David Benavides, which adds to his already illustrious career as the four weight division champion and number one pound for pound ranked fighter at this moment. Um, as we all know, um, as far as the fight itself, not much really to um, analyze my, my opinion, dominated all 12 rounds. Um, he took advantage of, um, despite, despite the, the height difference was no problem for Canelo um, aimed straight for the body. He also targeted his, um, he targeted Cal Smith's left hand, I believe heavily bruised it, which, um, you know, he made a um, he made a, like a, a savage remark about it, like, "Hey, is is it is your arm okay?" So, uh, which I thought kind of <laughs> was kind of funny to me. But aside from that, um, another win for the books. But going forward, um, as we all know, he Canelo Alvarez announced that he's staying at super middleweight to uh, to unify the rest of the of the division, which um, um, which leaves out the possibility of any triple G fight at middleweight. So. Um, Right now we got Caleb Plant, who's the IBF champion, 
Billy Joe Saunders, the WBO, the, the other two left, the other two champions at the super middleweight division. So, um, Tommy, let me get your thoughts on this. Uh, what's your thoughts on Kendall Alvarez? On his, what's your thoughts on his recent win and his decision to stay at uh, 168 as as his current um, campaign uh, division to fight at? Um, short and sweet, man. So, you know, like you said, the, with the fight, totally dominant. You know, he was totally uh, dominant in that fight. And, you know, you highlighted the the main point of the fight was like he, he made it a point to just nullify, you know, what um, what Callum Smith was was going to be able to do. And he put and he beat the shit out of his arm <laughs> like to where it looked like he had like a, a, a baseball in his arm like, you know, after that fight. And he, he intentionally did that. So that was that was a super old school, you know, uh, very experienced veteran move. Uh, so, I mean, it was like he had to he had to find something special to do in the fight. Um, so completely dominated pillar to post. Um, and just as far as his decision, uh, I applaud his dis- his decision. You know, after he did it immediately, there was a lot of people just saying, oh, well, you know, he's ducking. You know, he's in no chance for Charlo, all, all this different stuff. I mean, they quoted themselves saying like they feel right now this is his prime weight. So I don't see a problem with him vacating the belt, uh, which he hadn't. He hasn't fought in that division in what two and a half, three years. Like it, it's, there's no problem with that, you know. It, and either way it goes, there was going to be some hate, you know. We we know this with Canelo. We see this all the time with Canelo. Hell, sometimes we're part of it, but you know. But either way it goes, uh, you know, he he did the right thing there because if he would have just held the belt and kept lobbying back and forth between weight classes and stuff like that, people would talk shit about that. So he did the right thing. Fuck this belt. You know, y'all can take it. Y'all can have that, that division. I'm staying here where I, where I know I'm, I can do what I'm doing right here, like against somebody like Callum Smith. And I've got the rest of these next fights lined up of what I'm, what my next moves are. Y'all can keep that, you know, so I don't have any problem with it. And I actually respect the fact that he let the belt go. Yeah, Tom, I can agree with that. Um, he has every right to stay where he's at right now, and he's earned that right. So, um, Courtney, let's get your thoughts on Canelo's uh, your, your thoughts on Canelo's a recent win over Callum Smith and his decision to uh, stay at 168. Um, not surprising at all. I mean, the, he, I mean, he's even alluded to it numerous times that he's done with 160. Um, I think, uh, I think we how we saw him look against Callum Smith. And uh, his body type, and you know, that's the fight he fought after going all the way up to 175, where a lot of people thought he would be out of his depth up there. Um, and that, I mean, in, despite the the final result uh, in that fight where he knocked out uh, Sergey you know, Sergey Kovalev at 175 to win a strap up there, that was not an easy fight for him. You know, that was not an easy task. Uh, you know, that he did at 175. So to go from that to go back going back down to 160 when there's really nobody of consequence at 160 besides, you know, a boo-boo Andrade who nobody wants to fight, um, who's probably the most skilled guy down there, but he does not bring, I mean, hey, I want to shout out the Portuguese-speaking uh, community in America and around the world, um, but really, that's his only base. That's, you know, those are the only people who are really rocking for boo-boo Andrade uh, out there. Um, and, and, you know, in a scattered pocket, in the Northeast um, with people from Boston, Providence, Rhode Island. I, I think he makes his home in uh, New Hampshire now, 
Uh, so, I mean, you got you got New England with you, but boxing is not really what it was up there. Um, I think Boogaloo Andrade might be the last, you know, notable person to come out of New England, um, you know, in, in recent memory. Um, you know, hey, so, sorry, Antoine. You know, shout out to Antoine Wilkes, uh, uh, who's Boston strong out there. But, I mean, really, you know, that uh, with, with Boogaloo Andrade, there's really no money. There's there's no demographic, um, and there's a lot of risk. So I mean, it, the, but the thing is, Bubba Andrade is a dude you can duck without taking too much shit for it. You know, and, and the people who are holding Bubba Andrade over Canelo are people who are just who do not like him, and that's the name they're pulling out of the hat. You know, um, they're doing that before the Charlo. You know, saying before Charlo. So. Um, but I mean, like Tommy said, he hasn't fought there in two and a half years. Um, he, you know, Triple G is campaigning. He's back. You know, he's back looking like he, you know, he's at least um, got some glimpse of his previous form. But the argument that Canelo has made is that he's finished with that business, um, at least for now, um, and that you know he's already he's already beaten him. Uh, I, I think I think there can be a third fight between Canelo and Triple G. But that's that's a net, that's pretty much almost certainty that Triple G is going to have to come up to 168 to make that fight, and I think that's the reason why Triple G fought Steve Rolls at Madison Square Garden at the 164 pound catchweight because he wanted to test and to see how his body would uh, would react and how he could perform with a few extra pounds on him because he knows he really he really wants he really wants to get Triple G one more time before he exits the game. And I think he knows, and his team has, is advising him that if he wants that fight, it's going to have to be at 168. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the biggest, so, you know, when the when the fight that you, you know, when the, the most lucrative fight at 160. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He is a guy who knows he's going to have to come up, um, you know, and fight you eight pounds. That's, I mean, that's that pretty much all the motivation to stay you know, is, is, is out the door. Um, there was a lot of chatter about Errol Spence um, coming up to a 160 to make that fight. Um, but I, I, I just, I, I think, um, I think with Canelo, he, he realizes that fight would probably be bogged down a lot in negotiations just by, by virtue of, um, you know, how the money would break down and what, um, what outlet it would be broadcast on, even though um, Canelo is a, uh, is a free agent per se, he is still closely aligned with the zone, um, so I mean that that they would be that would be an impediment uh, as far as making that fight with Errol Spence um, regarding that. Um, but I mean, as far as as far as one sixty eight in the immediate future for Canelo Alvarez, we already know that he has agreed to fight his mandatory for that WBC belt that he just picked up um, against um, the opponent of Turkey. I'm not going to even attempt to say the dude's name because it's, uh, you know, I, I just end up butchering it. But we all know he's going to fight the Turk. Um, you have any homework on that guy, by the way? Any, any? Uh, his, his name is, Yil- I think his last name is Yildrim. 
I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, but uh, there was a, there was talk initially of that fight being a homecoming fight for Canelo down in Guadalajara. Um, that as we all know, and we've all seen in the news, um, Mexico is being particularly hard hit right now um, by the COVID virus. So he's already saying that's going to be his next fight to take care of that mandatory. And it's going to be somewhere in the U.S., probably going to be behind closed doors, uh, seeing that they're, you know, state by state is enacting um, new um, um, uh, with, with protocols um, per, for, per, you know, to, uh, to combat the COVID-19 virus. Um, so he knows, I mean, with you, with you, it's a, it's a mandatory, nobody really wants to see that fight. Um, and also, you know, the revenue stream from that fight is going to be limited because it's probably not going to be in front of fans, uh, you know, admission pain fans. So, um, I, I think his, his reasoning behind that is just go ahead, get that out of the way. And then that puts it, it that fight is going to be, is floated for being in February. He fights that fight that puts that realigns him to be able to fight on the dates that um, that he likes as far as being uh, the Cinco de Mayo fight in May and uh, the September dates for uh, Mexican Independence Day. So I think after he deals with Yildrum, as far as the mandatory, then we're going to really see um, the concerted efforts to make the fight with Billy Joe Saunders and Caleb Plant. And I think Billy Joe Saunders is probably going to be next because it's going to be easier to make uh, with uh, Billy Joe Saunders being aligned with the zone. And then... Um, probably while he's in preparation for that fight on the back end, they'll be doing negotiations with plant and PBC to see how the money and the network's going to break down with that. So I think that's, uh, that's pretty much my look into, uh, into the future as it concerns Canelo Alvarez. Great stuff, Corny. Um, Michael, um, specific question actually for you. Um, and you can branch off to the larger question that was posed. Um, would you have a problem with um, Golovkin going up to 168 to fight um, uh, Canelo? And how would you actually see that fight happening, play out? I have a problem. Um, I just think that Triple G is just a better is it, it's a better fighter based on his weight and his power at 160. He's just naturally a, a 160 guy. In the past, a lot of people would think, oh, he can get to 164 and 168. He's just he doesn't fit at 160. And I think now at this point with Triple G's age, we've seen, we don't know if it was father time or not against uh, Sergey. Um, we don't know, but you know, I, I had Triple G losing that fight by one round, uh, could have gone either way. But at this point with Canelo uh, maturing so much as a, as a fighter and not only that, but his defense being so underrated. If you just watch that fight against Danny Jacobs and watch how he fought Danny Jacobs and how great he was defensively, you know, I don't think people give, an, give Canelo enough credit. But at 168 and just seeing how comfortable he was against Smith, you know, seeing how comfortable he was against um, Kovalev, I don't think that Triple G wins that fight. You, you, you might even see Triple G go down. I, even with one of the best chins in the world, um, you know, the guy's pushing already 40. You know, it doesn't get any easier for him. But who knows? I, I would still see it. I would love to see it. I would love to see if Triple G can pull a victory, but I don't think that's possible. He lost the second fight. Um, we can argue it could have been a draw, but in my opinion, he lost the second fight. I do. I still think Triple G got um, – I'm not going to say robbed. I'm not going to call it robbed, but – I still think that Triple G did more than enough to make it apparent that he won the first fight. 
I think it's over. I think that allure of Triple G versus Canelo with the time and you know in the past four or five years, I think that allure, um, that excitement we had, I think that's gone. You know, I'd rather watch uh, other fighters. Look, I, I'll tell you, uh, a fight that I'm actually excited to watch is him against um, Caleb Plant. I think you know I, I like Caleb Plant as a as a boxer. Um, he is he is skillful. He's got power. I don't think he could beat Canelo, but that's a fight that I think is probably going to be a little bit closer than what people think it, it, it would be. Um, I'm more excited about that fight than a potential matchup with Triple G and Canelo. You know, it's done. It's over. I don't want to watch it no more. It's over. Let's go. Put it back in the books. And that's it. Let Triple G end his career. I, I don't think Triple G has more than a year or a year and a half left in boxing, in my honest opinion. Um, let him ride out to the sunset and, and, you know, in good fashion, and that's it. Uh, great stuff, Michael. Um, also, um, Gary, your thoughts on Canelo uh, the I, fight and him going at 168? I up. agree with everything Mike said about Triple G. I think uh, Canelo's done with that. I don't, you know, I thought the second when Canelo won convincingly, like it was good enough for me. Like I, Canelo won that fight. I, I know a lot of people disagree, but in my personal opinion, I thought Canelo won clearly. So I'm fine with it. Like, like there was closure in that. Um, Canelo is the star of the sport. So if you want to fight him, it's going to be at his terms, which means it's going to be at 168. Boo Boo said he'd go to 68 to fight Billy Joe. If he go to 68 to fight Billy Joe, he'll go to 68 to fight Canelo. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, that's an interesting fight. The only thing, like my only knock on, on Boo Boo, I, I think he's tremendously skilled. It, he seems to get complacent at times. Like he starts really well and then he kind of just, relaxes too much. Um, that's the o only problem I see with Boo Boo. Um, I don't know. Canelo's like really good defensively. I, I think Canelo beats Boo Boo, but it, it's a really interesting style. And, you know, um, Courtney made a good point. It's like the haters always have someone. Like Floyd was like Paul Williams. Oh, Paul Williams would have been his ass. He dug Paul Williams. Um, I feel like with Canelo, it's Boo Boo. Oh, Boo Boo. Was all wrong for him. Boo would be. It's like you can't literally fight every single person. Right? I mean, you only fight twice a year. Although this year Canelo will probably fight three times. Like, there's promoters. There's issues. There's managerial issues. There's just timing issues. Like you literally can't fight everyone. Canelo fights the best. Floyd fought the best. Through someone's resume, there's always going to be one name not on it. Um, and then they're going to say that's the person you ducked. Especially when that person, like Paul Williams or Andre, is not really a draw. Right? There's no reason, really, like, unless, you know, for Canelo to fight Andre. Just like there was no real reason for um, Floyd to fight Paul Williams, right? Um, but to this day, right, I still feel like the haters, the Floyd haters, say, well, he never fought Paul Williams. Paul Williams would have knocked him out, right? Um, but you can ignore those people. I mean, they're never going to be happy. Um, I, I agree with Courtney. I think he fights three times this year. I think Canelo fights, um, well, Ivani Yvon, Gildrum and Yildrum, um, fought a, a fairly close fight with uh, Anthony, Anthony Durrell. I think that was the last time he fought, and then he got destroyed by Chris Kubek when they were both on the come up. I, I don't think this guy's gonna last very long. I think this is basically a sparring session for Canelo, which is why he'll be back a couple months later in May with a real fight. Um, which I think will be Billy Joe. Um, and then remember, this is just a two fight deal that Canelo has with uh, the zone, which I think is Eildrum 
and Billy Joe, and then he's free to negotiate with whoever he wants, which I think is Caleb Plant. Um, it's got to fight with Caleb Truax at some point in the near future, right? February, March, something like that. Um, I, I think you can see, and that's a really interesting fight. Um, Andre and Caleb Plant are the two guys stylistically, I think, give Canelo the most trouble. I'm not saying they necessarily win, um, but those are the two fights I would look at. It's like those those could be trouble for Canelo. As far as Canelo's performance, I mean, there's not much to critique. I honestly think And I didn't think Caleb was going to win. I didn't see a path to victory for Smith. Uh, but I thought he'd be competitive in the fight. Right? Like, I think it would be a complete wash beatdown that it was. I, I think considering the level of opposition, this may have been Canelo's best performance. Definitely agree. Yeah, and I agree with Gary. I, I thought that it was going to be a lot closer in in terms of comp you know competition. I thought it would be more competitive. I almost turned off the TV after like round eight. It was just a bloodbath. It was just ridiculous. I mean, I. I, the only thing I give Smith credit for is not crumbling, honestly. That's what I give him credit for. But why? I don't know why he shied away from his jab. Like, he just – you're the bigger guy. Try to, like, bully him around the ring a little bit. Nothing. He was getting bullied. It was just ridiculous. The thing is, he's saying that he's a Smith brother. I know he's tall, but he doesn't fight tall. He he fights on the inside, right? Like you could tell, like early the first round or two, like he tried to use his jab, but just not how. I know I, I get he's a tall, longer guy. Um, and Canelo's real short for that division, but he doesn't fight tall, and it wasn't working for him. And like I, I knew at the end of the second round, I said, "Oh, this is gonna be bad." Like I, I thought at a certain point, Caleb Smith's corner probably should have stepped in and stopped it. Like the beatdown was was that bad. There was absolutely no path to victory. There was no path for him to even be competitive, right? So it's like, I know it's the biggest fight of your life. This is what you trained your whole life for. I don't want to stop it prematurely, but at a certain point, that beating was, was unnecessary. I think his brother's performance was better than his. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree. You know, and I was picking, like I said, I was picking Kalen to be, I was picking that fight to be just a lot more competitive, but just on the strength of size. And I mean, I was wrong. I was, I mean, it was embarrassing. You know, if I'm Caleb, I wouldn't even go back in the ring. That's how embarrassing that was, in my opinion. If we look, at, if we look at Canelo though, he actually turns in very brilliant performances against tall guys. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it's uh, how he strategizes or you know what the strategy he implements against tall fighters, but he's very he he goes at guys who are taller who were that tall very aggressively um i know a lot of people dismiss the rocky fields uh fight but i mean rocky fields was he was actually he actually wasn't a slouch you know what i'm saying he fought a lot of guys who were at the echelons of that 168 because the thing is the 168 division is actually if you look at it as a whole it's actually popping as far as the competitiveness of the matchups more over in england and europe you know the guys that we see with the belts or who are dominant 168, they actually only measure a very small sampling of the talent that's in that division. So for, you know, Rocky Field. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
Chumba. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...to be, um, you know, a former British, former Commonwealth, former European, and then held one of the, uh, the minor WA belt, the WBA belts. Um, and, you know, that that's that's... That says that that speaks of volumes, and you know, and, and in turn, that uh, that performance he turned in against Rocky Fielding, who was a tall guy himself. For me, that's where Canelo kind of drew. He painted on the canvas in terms of what we could expect against Caleb Smith, and um, the only thing that surprised me about that was the uh, the result. I didn't think Caleb Smith was going to go the twelve rounds, so that's where Caleb Smith surprised me is that he showed enough resolve. To uh, to go the twelve rounds, but um, they, it probably should have. <laughs> if, if we're gonna if we're gonna be honest, Caleb Smith's corner probably should have done more to preserve his career by aiming that fight two to three rounds earlier um, before the final bell. Um, but uh, and, and I want to backtrack is because we were on Boo Boo a little earlier. Go ahead. I think you know I think Andre, if he's calling anybody out, he should be calling out Triple G. I guess because I think Triple G is not. I, I I think Triple G at this point he's got he's got three more fights on the deal with the zone, so that's you know so that's going to take him out to about another two years. Um, if he you know if he fights twice a year, um, and and, and COVID clears up and, and we're able to get more regularly scheduled fights, but I think I think Triple G he's looking he's looking at it in terms of legacy, and I think Triple G. He's gonna look. You know, I, I think I think he would be looking at it if that fight was proposed to him. As far as looking at back where everybody who was anybody at 160 was ducking him, and now he's kind of got a guy on the other side of it who is in that position where he was. I think Triple G is the kind of person who would be, in a sense, stand up enough to give Bubandrade that uh, that that fight. And that, and, that, and that's a fight. I think I think if it happens next year or in the later part of this year, I think that's a fight that Bubba Andrade wins against Triple G simply for the fact that Triple G will be, have been too far past it. But I mean, it's, it's, it's an intriguing matchup. If you look at um, what Andrade does very well, which what Triple G does very well and just how they look it on paper and all the intangibles, I think that'd be a very fun fight to watch. Uh, great points all around. Um, so, we're going to move on to the next the next segment of the last segment of episode 64 which is my favorite discussing our individual pound for pound lists so i'm going to pull up you briefly saw the screen so i'm going to pull it up i'm going to pull it up right now our list just give me a few seconds guys can you guys see that really cl- really clear yes sir Okay, so here, here, here's our individual pound for pound list for January 2021. Um, what I'm going to say 
uh, right now is um, these are our own individual lists, but they will be averaged out with the other lists that were submitted on our website. They're going to be averaged out. And then that average will be the actual published pound for pound rankings on our website. But since we have so many lists, it seems logical just to, just to discuss our own. So we got Michael's list. We got Courtney's list. You got mine up there. You got Tommy. You got Gary. Um, the only thing I'll, I'll say about mine is um, the biggest takeaway from my list is that from previous lists, I've been always um, ranking Terrence Crawford above uh, Errol Spence. But I think at this point, in my opinion, I got to rank Errol Spence above Terrence Crawford. I think Errol, he's been, he's been, he's been, we all know he went through that car accident and to right after, right off the bat, not to get to the fight, go straight at the juggler with Danny Garcia and to um, outclass him the way that he did. And, um, and do, and in doing so, I think he's earned enough in my book to be ranked at least above Terrence Crawford in the pound for pound ranks. So that's why I have, I know Corny, I'll give you a chance to, uh, speak on that but that's just my biggest takeaway of course i got canelo at number one um Nilo anyway i another big takeaway from my list i got him there at number two um on average i've been ranking him three and four for the past three lists but i got him i i, I bumped him up a little bit so that's my list as you can see one through ten so let me go around um let's start with you michael um Give us your biggest highlights from your list. Um, um, what's your uh, what should we take away from your list? The Both same thing, um, same thing you mentioned. I always had Bud Crawford ahead of Spence, and then after Spence fought, Sean Porter came back, obviously from that devastating accident, which he's very lucky to be alive, um, let alone in the ring fighting and still at the high caliber he fought to come back in and you know take a tune-up fight against Danny Garcia and wash him in that ring the way he did. Um, was enough to convince me that based on the strength of opponents that right now I'm giving him the edge, you know, and that, look, I, I give him the edge on the rankings. I'm not giving him on the edge of a head to head fight against Bud. I still say Bud, in my opinion, has a 55, 45 chance of beating, um, uh, of beating Arrow Spence based on what I've seen Bud in the last couple of years. And, and also based on skill set movement, et cetera. You know, it's just a testament that Errol Spence just has had better opponents in the last year, year to half, a year and a half. Um, so, give, you know, having said that, I mean, other than that, I think my list is pretty straightforward. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't leave Lomachenko off my list. Um, you know, because of my love with Gennady, I couldn't leave him off my list either. Um, I have high regard for Estrada, you know, Tyson Fury, obviously, in my opinion, top five, he can go, he could have, he could have gone four. You know, I could have put him in the same spot that uh, Courtney has him in now. Now, um, obviously Tiafimo, um, you know, I, I wish to even put him up higher, but, you know, I just think that Yusek is there and he deserves to be there. Uh, and that's pretty much it. You know, I don't think it was as hard of a list to uh, come up with um, as it used to be in the past. I think it was pretty straightforward other than, you know, probably nine, nine could have been interchangeable with other people. You know, I thought about maybe putting Manny Pacquiao there. Um, I could have put Jermel, you know, uh, Jermel Charlo there as well. Uh, it was a toss up, but again, my love for Kanadi Golovkin put him there. So 
Uh, not gonna lie, I was biased. Give us your biggest takeaway from your list, then you're, you're welcome to um, you know mention our list. Any disagreements you may have, go in, go in, man. Uh, I'm not I'm not gonna target anybody's list individually um, because I I'm on my phone, so I kind of had to expand it to look at it where you know get a glimpse of what everybody else had, um, and also I didn't I, I didn't quite remember the uh, the order I put some of mine in. Um, and I'm going to do that again while I'm, uh, while I'm speaking, but I mean, the main thing is to put Errol Spence above Terrence Crawford. I think that's insulting when you look at, um, what, what Terrence Crawford has done as far as the resume and as far as his career. Um, you, like, I, I'm sorry, but it, as long as those two are both undefeated fighters, you cannot not give consideration and just do. Uh, consideration to the fact that Terrence Crawford is a three division champion and, and, and he's, you know what I'm saying? He's a first, I mean, he's the first person to unify, be undisputed and unify all four belts at 140. Um, like while, while, the, while those two are both, and I, I think, um, yeah, I, I understand people give, um, put, putting a lot of weight and giving a lot of credence to Earl Spence coming back from the car accident the way he did, but I mean, in terms in terms of ranking, I think you got to leave the emotional. Uh, I think you got to leave the SP factor out of that, um, and, and and just look at the raw in the ring accomplishments of these guys. And um, while the while these two are hovering each other, and um, you know we're we're still analyzing and breaking down the intangibles and how these two would match up head to head. If we're looking at it, you've got to give just due consideration to Terrence Crawford so the entirety of his resume. And uh, I believe because of that, I, I think it's uh, you. It's I know people. I can't say you can't do it because you know some of y'all have done it. I mean, but in my mind, it is unconscionable to put to rate Errol Spence over um, over Terrence Crawford. Um, but uh, and I, I know there's going to be some back and forth on that, so I'll, I'll go and uh, I'll look at some of the other names. Um, you know, I've highlighted. I mean. Manny Pacquiao at number 10, I got to put him in the list for the same reason. As long as Manny Pacquiao is an active fighter and he holds a strap, um, a, a major strap at, the, at that, um, in, a, in, a, in a hot division at 147, and he's coming off a win, he's, he's got he's to be in that top 10. Um, he barely squeaked in there, but, I mean, the, the, I, I think, the, uh, I think the, last, the last couple of slots are always the hardest to fill out for people's, uh, when, when people um, tabulate their top 10s. Um, I know it is for me, but I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't let it rock without, uh, without putting Manny Pacquiao in there when, um, when I'm considering that he's still active, he's still, uh, he still holds one of the four major belts and probably the most talented division, uh, right now. And, um, I mean, I think this might surprise, surprise some looking at my list, but, uh, welcome to Tyson, welcome Tyson Fury. Um, yeah, yep. Hey, hate him or love him. The man can fight his ass off. And, um, you know, by virtue of, not only the accomplishment and what he did against Deontay Wilder, but how he did it and how emphatically he did it. And he shocked the world. Not necessarily. I think some people were picking Tyson Fury to win the rematch just because they love picking against Deontay Wilder. But even those people, they had no fucking clue that Tyson Fury was going to go in there and he was going to do that to Deontay Wilder. Um, I think I personally, I think he broke Deontay Wilder as a fighter. I think he I, I I think the damage that he did 
was bad. And, you know, saying he put a he put a, he put it on him in the ring. I think that was bad from a physical standpoint. But I think the real damage done to Deontay Wilder is the mental is the mental state. And I don't think I don't think Deontay Wilder will ever recover from that. I don't think we'll. I, I don't. I don't think we will ever come anywhere close to seeing the same Deontay Wilder uh, again. Because uh, with Deontay Wilder, the 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 power, the God gifted right hand, was you know say what was the, was the ultimate equalizer. But it's kind of like Samson getting his hair and he's getting his locks chopped off. He does not have. He you know he was in a situation where that was taken away from him, and he didn't have anything else. And you know saying and now. He will. That question will always be in the back of his mind, um, and you know from what we've seen as far as him uh, firing Jim. I mean, uh, I mean, um, firing Breland, and um, you know the statements he's made in social media. Even though he is angling to get the uh, to finish out the trilogy, um, I think I, I think I think it's really hard to believe that uh, we're going to see um, Deontay Wilder uh, retake the uh, the throne. And the other mantle at heavyweight, and if you can, if you can do that to um, the longest reigning heavyweight champion in recent memory, um, you not only got to go on the top ten, but you have to have a prominent place on the top ten. And uh, Tyson Fury not only makes my list for the first time, but he makes uh, he enters it in a top five position. Great stuff, Corny. Great stuff, uh, Tommy. Uh, what what is the biggest takeaways we could take from your list? Biggest highlights. So I, I I agree with a lot of what Courtney said when it came down to like the welterweights and stuff like that. I, I actually left um Pacquiao off the list. He barely missed my list. Um I did put Javante Davis in, in my list. That that's my one kind of wild card on my list is the fact that I put him on there. And I and I've done this a few different times. Like when we talk like right now, we're doing a, we, we're talking a lot about, you know, where Terrence Crawford deserves to be. Uh, and I had Terrence Crawford very high on my list early on before a lot of people would put him high on the list. Um, and this is kind of some of those same things, not to not to compare him to Terrence Crawford, but just looking forward into what we what we see what we feel we're going to see you know, out of the out of these fighters as well. It's the same reason why, you know, on that flip side of what Courtney was saying is, you know, um, Manny Pacquiao is still uh, an active fighter. His career is still greater than pretty much everybody on all of our list. Uh, and he does still hold a major strap. But, you know, he's either, you know, down low on our list or or not on some list and and, and it, it everything comes with a little a little bit of additional grain of salt uh, and so you know i i felt that you know at this point in time i was going to give javante some some a little bit of a head of the game love and throw him on the list i definitely feel that jamel charlo uh, deserved to make that list and you know based off of what we saw tfemo do um you know i put him in that top five uh, I did put Errol, uh, Errol Spence above Terrence Crawford, just one spot uh, with kind of a blended, uh, a blended perspective of what, you know, others have said, like Gomes, uh, as far as what we've seen, you know, he's come, he, he came back from that fight. He's, he's had, you know, back to back to back major, um, you know, pay-per-view fights. Uh, and, you know, I, I felt that that was deserving on top of me. Just, you know, you can call it a little bit biased as far as the fact that I have been going with Ter with Terrence uh, Crawford so highly for so long that at this point, 
I really want to see him, you know, I really want to see him show what we all know he can do. Uh, and I feel the same way like Gomes. You know, if it is a head to head, I do still have him above um, slightly in that fight head to head against Spence. Uh, but, you know, a lot of my list was close to the same uh, other than the fact that I did take Lomachenko all the way off the list. Uh, he did not make my list uh, and, you know, um, added Javante Davis and, and, and Charlo, um, you know, and yeah, I mean, I know I'm going to get something for, for, for tank hitting that list, but that's all right. I'm, I'm willing to ride with it and willing to see where it goes. So let's get it. He wants this Tommy, you're going to sing with the burning ship. <laughs> <laughs> Fanboy. <laughs> hey, hey, I, hey, I ain't a, a fanboy, but I'm I'm willing to ride with it. I'm gonna show some love on it. Ain't getting no higher than ten. <laughs> Great stuff. Um, last but not least, Gary, uh, what's your biggest takeaways that we should take from your from your list? Hold on, Gary, on mute. I have no problem with Pacquiao being on the list. He's good enough. He deserves to be on the list. I didn't put him on the list because he didn't fight in 2020 and doesn't have anything scheduled yet. So I know mm -hmm. he still has the belt, but I didn't put him on because he didn't fight in 2020. Um, but there's none like if you put him on his list, if you put him on your list, like that's completely reasonable. Um, the other thing is um, I wasn't ready to take Loma off. I had Loma at number two before the loss to Tiafimo Lopez. And, you know, I thought Tiafimo did a pretty good number on him, but I didn't want to take him all the way off, so I put him at 10. Um, I agree with Courtney. I don't see how – and I, I value multiple weight division world titles, right? I don't know how you can take Crawford because all Crawford's done in three weight classes. Um, a new way done it in three weight classes. That was real time. I put a new way over Crawford. You could flip that. Um. And then four, five, six, and seven were real tight. I gave love to little guys. I got Estrada higher on my list than y'all, I think. Right? Yeah. And uh, Kazuto Ioka. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the New Year's Eve fight, but he destroyed Tanaka. Uh, he's a four-division weight champion. He's got wins of Tanaka, Cintron, Palik Day in the last year and a half. That was good enough to put him on my list. And I need Charlo's got three belts in a really competitive weight class, so I thought he had to be on the list. And then... I couldn't leave Lomo off, so I put Lomo at 10. Great. Corny, did you wanna did you wanna respond? Yeah, I want I want to add something um in regards to my list. Uh as far as a highlight. Um when we uh when we look at um man, I I lost my train I lost my train of thought. Let me look at the uh, let me look at the list to see where I was going with this. Um, but oh yeah, yeah, actually wasn't on my list. Um, I was really, I, I, I talked about adding, you know, Pacquiao just squeaking in at number 10. For me, when I was compiling mine, I was really conflicted as far as if I wanted to omit Manny Pacquiao or I wanted to add Estrada in at that number 10 spot. And, um, for me, I couldn't quite pull the trigger on Estrada, even though I, I, I pretty much think he's been hovering on everybody's for you know in the past couple of years um you know and I, i've seen i've seen some people have him you know i'm saying low on theirs you know saying or some people say they left him off but they were really thinking about putting him on there and he's one of those fighters who i never really quite put on my list but i'm always thinking about it um but for me estrada 
What's going to get him on that list for me is if he can do the job against Roman Gonzalez in March. If, you know what I'm saying, for me, if he, uh, they, they fought, you know what I'm saying, they fought one of the, uh, I think they fought one of the greatest fights of this millennium and this century um, that nobody really knew about uh, until, like, way after the fact um, when Roman Gonzalez really started getting shine. Um, but I think uh, you know, everybody who has seen that fight or who is familiar with that fight and that matchup, those these two absolutely went to war. That was a brutal fight. That was a fight where they both left a little themselves in the ring against each other. Roman Gonzalez barely squeaked that out. Um, but I, I, I think uh, I think it would be hard to contest if it had gone the other way or it had been ruled a draw or whatever. Um, but if Estrada can come back and get his revenge in that fight or make that right, I think uh, I think they, for me I have no choice but to uh, but to include. Um, a strong on my list after that. Tom, you really did Lomonchego dirty this time, huh? <laughs> hey. I'm I am a, I'm not. Mad. I'm let him know. Hey, hey, Tia Fimo did him dirty too. I'm gonna let him know. What what's what's the future for Lomonchenko moving forward? Like who does he fight? Like uh, that, you know. There's well, we know it's damn soon to be at one thirty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who, who does he fight? You know. I mean, Tiafimo get him so dirty, he might want to explore one twenty six. But I, th- I think one thirty has been his best division, and I think um, I, I I think if we look at the names at one thirty, those are all fights that are fun fights to watch. Uh, if, if I mean, if you if you look at if you look at him against uh, Herring or Frampton or um, Valdez or Burchell or, you know what I'm saying, or, or, you know, it, it, if, they, if they can somehow make t- him and Tank happen, which we know they won't, but, you know what I'm saying, um, or secure Stevenson, who's at 130. You know, see, even though I think they need to give Stevenson a year or two uh, before they throw him in with Lomachenko. But all those, fights are, all those fights are fun to watch because Lomachenko is just so, you know what I'm saying, the guy, he, you know, he – he took, he got masterclass against Tiafimo, um, but I'm not one of those people who I wasn't so I wasn't so caught up in my in, in hatred for Lomachenko, even though I really hate his fans. But I wasn't, <laughs> but I've never hated him. So you know, what I'm saying I still I still have enough respect and I still get enough enjoyment out of watching Lomachenko to where I recognize the guy's perpetual motion. He is, you know, what I'm saying he's an absolute you know, the, the the guy he's. It's like when Sergio Martinez was doing his thing back in the day. I always felt blessed to be able to watch, to witness that level of skill in the ring. And so, you know what I'm saying, you take you factor that in, anybody you put Lomachenko in there with, especially in a division that's buzzing like 130, those are good those are good fun those are good uh, good fun fights to watch. Good clean fun. Even though I don't think the results clean. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of people with a lot of people with, with their faces swole and their and their noses bloody and their eyes bashed up, but you know, that hey, we, we don't watch the ballet. So I mean, um, that one thirty, Lomachenko. I think that I think there's a lot of good fights to be made. I think there's a lot of television exposure to be had, and I think there's a lot of money to be made for him. So um, I think you know, and I, I, I think that's just the natural progression. I think that's what Bob Arum is telling him. I think that's what his team, his manager Ease Clemens, is telling him. And uh, I think um, I, I, I certainly know that he's not scared of those dudes at one thirty. So um, I think. Uh, I think as far as the entertainment factor with Lomachenko, that's to get to come. Yeah, because if he doesn't have a if he doesn't have a rematch set up, 
against Teofimo, you know, is there really any point, any reason to stay at 135? None. I think the other guy at 135 outside of Teofimo Lopez, I think just by virtue of Lomachenko's skill set, he would, he would be a holy terror for Haney, for Ryan Garcia, or for, uh, or, you know, say, or for Tank. I, I, yeah. I, I think he's a complete holy terror against those guys. I think uh, I can see him. I can see him beating Ryan Garcia. I can see him. I can see him beating Haney because I think you know what I'm saying. Because with Haney, when you know when they always mentioned Lomachenko's name to Haney, there was a lot of hesitation. There, you know, what I'm saying that, that it, when they, whenever they used to mention Lomachenko to Haney, his mannerisms, his face, his voice got different. So I think Lomachenko. I think it's already in his head that Lomachenko poses problems for him that he might not necessarily have answers for at this point as skilled as he is. Um, Lomachenko versus Tank, I think I, I think um, I think that's a, you know, a, a, a lot of people are gonna laugh to say this. I think I, I think Tank could beat Lomachenko up bad. I, th- I, I, I think I, th- I think Lomachenko can embarrass Tank if he kept it boxing, but it's it's really hard to see anybody being mm-hmm. able to neutralize Tank with boxing, just because he's such a weight bully. And I, I I I think if that fight ever happened, and if this universe flips upside down, I can you know I, I could actually see Tank knocking Lomachenko out. Very possible, <laughs> not out of the realm of possibility. So that that's going to conclude episode fifty four of the Standing Aid Podcast. I'd like to again thank Gary Kittleson for joining us as usual from Three D Boxing Blog. Also, my usual suspects, Courtney Tanner out in Georgia, Tommy Russ Jr. out in Texas, and Michael Gomes um, out in New Jersey. Also, I want to reiterate again, um, this episode 64 is dedicated to the memory of Cynthia Saldana, who is the lead photographer for Supreme Boxing and the life partner of Anthony Saldana. So um, our thoughts and well wishes go out to the, to the Saldana family, all the Supreme Boxing crew. Um, all the all the loved loved and close ones, family as well, friends. So that's gonna be it, guys. Um, episode sixty four is in the books. Till next time, have a good night. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.